1: What's up, everybody? Anthony Gizenza here with the Orange Black Insider Bengals podcast, coming at you live. Well, if you're joining us on Wednesday night, it's live. If you're joining us on your favorite platform afterward, not live, but that's okay. That's okay. Happy to be with all of you. Joined by my my colleague John Sheeran. John, what's up, man? How you how you dealing with what we saw Sunday? That was that was weird to put it bluntly.
2: You know what? The weekend was already made, my man, because an hour before kickoff. Ah. See, see Randall's new, new attire back there. That's right. That's right. My other cat teams got me. We're good. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They, uh, they came through for you big time and I was pulling for those Bearcats uh, over the weekend, kind of got a little tenuous for them, uh, in their last game of the season. There was tight for a little bit, but then they ended up pulling away against, uh, it was Houston. Right. So, um, played, they had to make it interesting. Yeah. 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 Why not? But left, no doubt, leave, no doubt. Bearcats and and congratulations to you and the city of Cincinnati. Pretty cool that they ended up making the playoff. They are the fourth seed, right? So they, uh, now they what go up against Alabama.
2: So that's, that's like, I I was surprised when I read that that's like the biggest, um, mismatch in terms of like a point spread in the entire bowl season, but it is. I think it's like 14 points. It's all right. I think, I think Nick Saban coined it as rat poison, which is what happened when. When Alabama was uh, hmm. underdogs against Georgia, so hmm. you know, we'll hey, see. playing with playing with house money right now, right? Um, I mean, you're pretty just much. Kinda, yeah, I mean, Let's be honest, we are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hell yeah,
1: take it. You know, uh, I'll be rooting for him for sure. But that was at least the positive thing in terms of Cincinnati football this this weekend. The Bengals, I, I just a massive momentum swing type of game. We're going to get into that. We're going to break it down. We've got some stats of the week to give to all of you. We're going to play a little game. It's not necessarily, we called it lightning round. It's not necessarily lightning round, but kind of a, we're going to take a quick trip around some headlines as we start to segue later on into the 49ers preview. And we're going to kind of give some quick thoughts on, uh, and some little hot takes, I guess, on some of the headlines going on the Cincinnati Bengals, et cetera. So, We'll get to a lot tonight on the program. Happy to have all of you joining us live, whether that's through the Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel, Cincy Jungle's Facebook page, one of the the Twitter accounts that it's linked to, Cincy Jungle Orange and Black Insider, or my own. Happy to have you joining us live. If you can't join us live, you can always get this program on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all of the major audio platforms, and below, John, near that, SB Nation, Cincy Jungle logo down in the corner there. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel. Click the bell to be notified when we go live, when new content is available. We are, on this show alone, we are throwing out three to four, if not more, episodes per week on this program. That's not even counting the other great programs on the Cincy Jungle podcast channel, which includes Zim and Aces, Orange is the New Black, and Coach Speak and Chalk Talk from Coach Matt Minick. So we've been trying to give you all kinds of different stuff, trying to load up your week with Bengals content. Hope you've enjoyed it. Appreciate all of the support you've shown us. Well, as we mentioned, this was a game full of wild plays, big momentum swings, big passes, lots of yardage, and a... Boatload, I will say that word instead of uh, a different word. A boatload of turnovers, John Sheeran. And the Bengals came on the wrong side of that stat line, overall impressions in this one. Uh, narratives galore coming out of the, the result here. But uh, your overall impressions based on the Bengals losing to the Chargers at home.
2: I think narratives was like the first initial reaction to when they were down I think 16 nothing at that point. I'm like, okay, Burrow threw this amazing pass to Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. Chase tries to double catch it. It ends up being an interception. Justin Herbert throws his second touchdown of the game. You just sit there and think to yourself, this is what it's going to be. This is what the next week is. The Bengals have experienced the opposite of this. They went on the road to Baltimore, just took care of business emphatically, made a statement to the in, to the entire NFL. Jamar Chase is on the map. Joe Burrow has improved. The exact opposite is happening, but it's not just another team. It's the team. It's the quarterback that will forever be linked to Joe Burrow, and Burrow is just going to have this game where nothing's going to go right, and Herbert walks in to Paul Brown Stadium for his first career start against the Bengals, while Mike Brown, the owner who could have drafted him in the draft, is watching him just dime, just throw, just dealing all across the field. And you thought Mm -hmm. to yourself, that's just what this game is going to be. In years past, that's what that game might have been. And then they came back because for all the warts that this team has, they have some type of intangible factor in them that they're not out of any game. And maybe this is just an indictment on the Chargers for failing to put that game away. But we knew that the Bengals were talented enough to compete with the Chargers. Many of us expected the Bengals to win this game, obviously. So it wasn't too shocking To see them be able to come back but just for the way that everything was happening not 24-0 in the middle of the second quarter like that's a huge blowout pending based off of just what probably will happen or should happen in most scenarios and then to come all the way back and be down 22 to 24 and keep the charges at 24 points for the next i think two quarters up until that like near the beginning uh, near the beginning of the fourth quarter it was impressive, and I think that's honestly just a microcosm of what the season is. It's been some severe highs, severe lows, but there's never really been a week where they've been completely out of it because of what the opponent does. Whenever they end up in situations like this, it doesn't seem like the other team is just beating them into submission. It seems like they're just kind of hurting themselves. That's what kind of happened in this game.
1: My My main kind of... I guess gripe or uh, you know thing uh, take away from this game that really kind of left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, the unforced errors and all of that. But you, I, we had talked about how we felt they used that bye week as a as a catalyst to really write some of these hiccup games. These these errors that they commit on their own and the, the other team doesn't make a play. They they give a play away type of thing. You kind of felt like based on what we had seen against the Raiders, against the Steelers, the Bengals corrected a lot of those issues and we're playing uh, relatively low mistake football, much cleaner on defense and all kinds of stuff. And here that here, they, they come out at home against a quality opponent, but uh, against a team that definitely has its own vulnerabilities and, it, you know, you look at you look at the, some of these plays. You mentioned a couple of them. The chase play that was just inexplicable. What that that sequence of events? Not only his bobble, but his almost like spiral of the ball upward, and the defensive back making a one-armed, one-handed grab on the interception as he was trying to chase down Jamar Chase because he was beaten. So that whole sequence of events, and that right there you could argue is a – I mean, I, maybe I'm being exaggeratory by saying so, but that's a 14-point swing. I mean, that 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 was six right there. Chase was right there. They, the Chargers subsequently used that drive to drive down and, and score a touchdown. Later in the game, Joe Mixon, obviously the fumble that gets returned for a touchdown. I, I have a hard time placing a lot of blame on Joe Mixon because he hardly ever loses a fumble. Uh, what, I, oddly enough, it was his first lost fumble since the first – Week of last year against the Chargers, so I mean it's been a long time since he has lost a fumble, but uh, you got to take better care of the football in that re- in that situation. However, same thing, John. Bengals at that point had held strong, were kind of chipping away at that lead. Then the the fumble return for a touchdown. You could argue maybe they get a field goal out of that drive. That's a ten to fourteen point swing right there. Uh, a lot of those moments in the game where it's just massive, massive momentum swings that I felt were were just absolute gut punches to the team the fact that they were able to come back the first time around and make it make it a competitive game does say something to your point but um, those are some of the big momentum swings that I saw I'd love to get your thoughts on that as well as oh boy the clock management stuff the two-point conversion issues and, of course, what happened before halftime just looked like a disorganized mess in those two scenarios.
2: It, it's interesting. Selfishly, I enjoy the fact that Zach Taylor is more or less an open book. Now, he knows what coach speak is. He utilizes it a fair amount, but he's not afraid to basically say, yeah, I screwed that up. And that's more or less what he said about not only the two-point debacle, which should never happen, in that scenario and also just the mismanaging of the two minute drill towards the end of the half. You can kind of give him a little bit more leeway there because they weren't necessarily sure what they were having with their quarterback. If, if he was able to throw the ball down the field in that situation, just the way that things transpired in real time, you're just sitting to, you're just sitting to yourself thinking what the hell am I witnessing right now? Which kind of just fit with the entire theme of the day. And I think a lot of people in general, they, they see a young team that's still finding themselves still making these mistakes. You immediately put it on coaching, but I honestly think it's just two plays in this game that you can track back to. They lost by what? 19 points. It was 41, 22. There was a 21 point swing that you just, that you just described the chase interception and the mix and fumble. You have to think that the offense wasn't exactly hitting on all cylinders when Mixon was had that carry and he, fumbled it right out of his hands but you have to think they're in scoring range They're they had their best chance to get a touchdown for the first time in a little bit during that game once that fumble hits i think it was a top five play in terms of like win probability swing in the entire league and it definitely felt like that it was deflating and the and the chase interception man like there was a pl- the strip sack on burrow earlier in the game chase was wide open streaking down the left side and that's that's where burrow was going to go with the ball and then there was that play like there's now been three instances where Chase had a touchdown. The, the third one being against the Steelers when Joe Burrow had him wide up in the end zone. and He took a sack. It, it's like, yeah, Chase, the production is not there, but it's not like he's being completely shut out. It's just that he, like a lot of other players right now, can't get out of their own way. And that honestly seems to be the, the, this team's biggest problem where they have the talent to, to do all these things, to compete with all these teams but you have to wonder how serious can you take this team, even if they are capable of winning enough games to get into the playoffs, how capable are they to actually do anything when they keep making these mistakes? It's not, it's not like these things can be corrected immediately. It's just like, it's just a lot of growing pains, unfortunately.
1: That's what comes with the, the you know, the team being young and some of their best players being young. I mean, that unfortunately the error by mixing Mixon's still young age wise, but I mean, he's been in the league a handful of years. You just, fumbles happen. Um, it, it just came at a moment where you just, it was just completely deflating. Uh, but, you know, some of these wacky plays like the chase touchdown and, and, you know, Burrow still growing as an NFL quarterback, late interception in the end zone, trying to make something happen, things like that. They're going to, they're going to happen with a young team. You know, Higgins had his kind of hiccups a little bit early in this, in this season already, uh, which was, you know, we kind of deemed him as you know, the next, big receiver in the NFL based on what we saw in preseason and what we heard about in training camp, etc. And, you know, he had some growing pains a little bit himself early this year in terms of not getting the contested catches, had a couple of injury issues, did get in the end zone a couple of times and whatnot, but now all of a sudden T Higgins is ha- he had a career day against the Chargers had a really nice day against the Steelers. He's looking, he's looking pretty, pretty good here. And, and looking like he's turning another corner, which is good. I mean, the, Sooner or later, these plays are going to be made by Jamar Chase. We've seen, we saw them get made early in the year. They're going to get made now. Here, you just can't press, you can't force things, uh, which which has been a little bit of an issue with the Bengals, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. But yeah, I mean, it, it, unfortunately, these are the things that a younger team has to go through, and we it sucks because I feel like we say that so often this year, and and they're on the cusp of being really good. Uh, And so it it sucks to keep kind of saying that, but these are the types of things that they have to go through and learn from inevitably to get where they want to be. Um, the, The other thing with it, too, John, is it felt like, you know, the Bengals undoubtedly, even without two of their starting offensive linemen, they wanted to establish the run in this game based on the Chargers defense being ranked dead last you fall into that deep hole, especially with that interception, tide turning interception there at the beginning, you know, your, your game plan gets tweaked a little bit, I would think based on, based on all of that. So, you know, they got behind the eight ball and all of a sudden, you know, their game plan probably shifted into something a little bit unexpected.
2: And I think that might be a little bit on us too, (laughs) because when talking about this matchup, yeah, the chargers for from like a season long standpoint, they were i think last against uh defending the run or something like that. And over the last few weeks though, they haven't been that bad at stopping the run. I th- yeah, yeah just just going back to like week 8, I think they just like looking at this in terms of like success rate. Yeah, I mean like yeah, they they were top they were top 10 like EPA in like stopping the run. Like like they they've not been terrible in that regard in like in recent weeks, which is probably something that should have been weighted a little bit more. It, it was weird also too because they played that game entirely without Joey Bosa, and it was Christian Covington with a revenge game of his own kind of holding it down in the middle. It was Chris Rumpf. It was um, Nwusu, the guy from USC, just mm-hmm. beating Jonah, Jonah Jonah Williams. I almost called him Jonah Hill. He kind of played like Jonah Hill. <laughs> beating Jonah Williams, I think, for five pressures, Quinn Spain, did not play well. It was yeah. crazy. The, the two backup offensive linemen in this game, Trey Hill and Isaiah Prince, they were arguably the most consistently clean offensive lineman that played in this game which is just typical 2021 20, bengals fashion which is kind of what i wanted to, to go here with this on on this tangent because we've kind of talked about it a little bit with how much this team is in a flux and it's so clear and obvious at this point I, you can call them good you can call them inconsistent they're talented but they can't seem to get out of their own way and what's special about that is that it's not unique to just them it's a plague it's a disease it's a virus if you will that's kind of plaguing the entire conference right Mm -hmm. now with them being in this flux and basically every other contender, specifically the Ravens, the bills, you still have questions with the Colts and the Titans. Is it frustrating that the Bengals are in that group knowing that they have the potential to be so much more, or does that give you a sense of relief that it's not just this team that has these questions, even though the alternative is, Oh, they can kind of run away with this thing like the Patriots are trying to do.
1: There's no doubt that it's frustrating, but in a weird way, and I don't I don't think you really asked this as an option, but I'm strangely optimistic about it because it seems like the Bengals, when they play well and when they, if they turn the ball over, and by the way, we've got a stat of the week to talk about that'll relate to this a little bit, but when they play well, when they play low turnover football, they can beat anybody. And oftentimes they can beat some of the best teams by a lot of points. They've proven that this year. So in a weird way, it gives me a, some sense of confidence in another way. It makes me feel kind of dumb because just last week I was touting the fact that they were playing their best football at the right time and beating all these great teams at the right time and proving things. And here they go play, you know, play just sloppy football at home against a team that, normally doesn't travel very well from the West coast. And you kind of felt like this was, this was one, if you were going to beat this team, a lot of things were, were in your corner here. Now the Bengals, unfortunately, aside from committing errors and whatnot, we know, John, they got really bruised up in this game uh, health wise. So that gives me a little bit of pause in terms of future viability here going forward. Um, But again, I mean, I look at, I look at the teams in the AFC, You mentioned New England, Mac Jones, three pass attempts Monday night, three. And so, and they beat a bills team in Buffalo. I know the weather was absolutely horrid, but does that, does that make you sit here and go, well, those are two unbeatable teams. No, those are, those are two teams right in the thick of the AFC playoff race. Tennessee is bruised up with some of their best players out of the lineup. And then, you know, you've got teams uh, up there, Baltimore, They're up and down and the Bengals beat them in Baltimore by multiple touchdowns. So uh, in a weird way, I, I, you know, I know it's easy to be down this week with the injuries and this ugly loss, et cetera. I wasn't overly blown away by the chargers necessarily. I mean, they're a good team obviously, but I didn't, I didn't come away with that going, wow, the Bengals just can't beat that team. Um, I'm strangely optimistic in a weird way.
2: And I think that, is how a lot of fans should look at this. If you don't mind, I want to lay down some philosophy because yeah, I feel like it. I like identifying this. You're the team brain
1: shearing as Crip, Crip Keeper calls you in the in the YouTube. So you got you gotta use that philosophy, man.
2: For people who are trying to identify this team to label them, I think you can fairly cl- label them, identify them as a playoff team. I think that is a fair statement. Are have they clinched the playoff spot? No. Is it possible that they don't? Absolutely. But I think you just have to look at it like the playoffs are right now. They basically started last week, essentially against another team that's in the playoff picture right now. That's probably going to be at least a wild card team. They failed their first test, right? Mm-hmm. They have five more of these tests. In all likelihood, they need to pass at least three of them. And it's entirely possible that they look dominant against at least three more of these teams that they have remaining because we've seen it before. And it's as equally possible that they looked absolutely terrible against two of them, right? And if all they have to do is pass three, then they're in. These are the playoffs right now. It's just a matter of they need to win three to get to the single elimination portion of the playoffs. I think that's really how you have to look at it at this point. Because, of course, when this entire chaos is happening in the AFC, who is the one team that looks like the most calm under pressure? Of course, it's Belichick.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a good point. I, I just, I think where my head is at right now, is just get in because it feels like from week to week from opponent to opponent, I know the Patriots are on a win streak, but from week to week, I mean, I, I watched the chiefs, uh, gosh, what was that last Monday night, last Sunday night? Um, they were, they were playing, they were dropping footballs. I mean, it was against the Broncos and it was a game where you go, uh, is, are the chiefs the same team? I don't, I don't even know. And that, that was in Kansas city. So I, I mean, I, I looked at some of these teams and my point is, is just get there. If they can get there, I feel like based on their talent and what they have shown in their wins and based on what the rest of the AFC and their own division looks like, if they get there, it's kind of a coin flip as to what, what can happen. It's not like they're going to go in there and i and, and I, I I just don't feel like there's this big buzzsaw team where it's like, oh, well, AFC,
2: they're just, you know, it's going to be X team. I, I feel like it's pretty open. Oh, my my God, like you're not in the position now where you were 10 years ago where you're like, OK, they need probably at least to be like a division winner or when they were 13 and 3. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you, need to, you need to buy in order for this team to actually do something. Right. At this at this point, like you're not in that. Like, obviously, you want those luxuries. You, you want to have home field advantage. You want to win the division. Those should never not be goals. But you're not looking at them as like necessities in order for this team wearing th- these colors in this jersey to do anything. W- once you're there, I think anything can happen with this team.
1: Yeah. Uh, kind of going off of that. And the one other element that is concerning to my confidence uh, is kind of with this picture we've been painting up here during our chat about this game. That is the play where Joe Burrow uh, dislocated his pinky. I don't know if it was on the hit itself or diving for the football or what have you, but that is the play, I believe, wherein he dislocated the pinky on his throwing hand. The pictures that we saw, that thing was blowing up like a golf ball on his on his finger. Uh, it did not look pretty. Obviously, this is going to be something that's going to be affecting him going forward, at least for the very near future. He's claiming he's going to play. It seems like that's going to be the case. He actually did make some nice throws. That ball to Chase that Chase bobbled and threw an interception, that came the possession after he supposedly dislocated his pinky. So I guess the question kind of to wrap this up and as we get into stats of the week and and other items, John, your concern level for this injury based on what Burrow did supposedly throughout the game after suffering the injury, obviously playing in the elements and playing against, you know, high quality teams, you know, week after week after week here coming up.
2: So obviously neither of us are athletes. Clearly, We, we don't know how to play through injuries and, and whatnot we don't know what that's like we do know that there's the adrenaline factor i guess and maybe maybe that boosted his performance a little bit i think i wasn't that concerned because it, it was the the drive right before halftime which is when he was like throwing on the sidelines or something like that mm-hmm. and it looked like he was grimacing in pain And you are like okay this probably isn't good he may not go back in the game at all at this point and then he went back in and he could it didn't look very natural. It looked like very forced. Then he came out of halftime and it, I never, I never really noticed it. And maybe, maybe other people did, but I never really noticed it was giving him any trouble. Like he was still getting the ball at the right places at the right time. He even overshot T Higgins on a deep route in the end zone. Like, I don't think it was necessarily affecting how far he could throw the ball down the field or, or how quickly the, the throwing motion was. And I don't know if that was just him playing through adrenaline, but I do believe when he says that, Sunday was probably the worst it was going to be and feel. And naturally, it's just going to heal on its own. He's not going to have any surgical procedure about this. So I'm I'm optimistic from that sense. But obviously, until we see him throw again, we're not really going to know for sure. But of course, it's another variable in all this. Like, OK, yeah, they, they can bounce back from this. But of course, they have to deal with this now. And unfortunately, until we actually see it, it's just kind of an unknown. But based off what we saw towards the end of the game on Sunday, it didn't look like it was affecting him as much as it initially looked like when he was on the sidelines.
1: Right. When I don't hear surgery, when I don't hear ligament, tendon, anything like that, I don't get too concerned. He doesn't seem too concerned, although he's always been the guy that's been like, hey, we're gonna be, we're gonna be level headed about everything. I, I guess if I really saw, I mean there were a couple throws where maybe it wasn't the tightest spiral or what have you, but there were some opposite hash throws and whatnot that he made that, uh, to the sideline and whatnot that were actually pretty, pretty solid. Now they were a bit more timing based instead of, you know, absolute frozen ropes, but I mean, he was making throws, he was making throws. And so that, that's why it doesn't overly concern me at this point. And in, in what you said about how Burrow stated that, you know, last week was probably the worst it was going to feel, um, that's probably accurate. I'm not a medical professional, obviously, but I mean, I would assume that's probably accurate. And, uh, as of, today, Wednesday, they gave him the the day off on practice. So they're letting him rest that thing and and let it heal up. I, I guess the question just kind of became more pertinent because obviously a handful of years ago, last time the Bengals had a playoff run, their starting quarterback had a throwing hand injury and in Andy Dalton, it was his thumb, I think. Um, and, and that one was, was far more severe than this one, it would appear. And then of course, as early as this season, earlier in the season, you had the Russell Wilson situation where he had to have surgery. Um, his was obviously much more damaged, but Seahawks haven't recovered from that both during and after his absence, uh, from the lineup. So I, I think it's just overall a pertinent question.
2: <laughs> yeah. There's no, there's no Adrian McCarron to save this team this time. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> there is not. And I just remember like you know, only a month and a half ago, we were having conversations like, "Is Geno Smith better than Russell Wilson this season?" <laughs> and then you know they're three and eight. So, and then right. they and then they beat the team that the Bengals are about to play next. So, yep, I don't know. I don't know.
1: Day, yeah, the NFC is kind of the same deal, man. I mean, it's you know we talked about how wild I mean they're the AFC... they're
2: always a mess, right? It's it's usually right. the AFC that has the powerhouses that are consistent, but now it's like the AFC has the NFC disease.
1: Yeah, and the NFC East and uh. Anyway. Let's we're going to get to a stat of the week and of course just a, a quick reminder in case you are new here you can join us live for this show on Wednesday nights. We might have a a little bit of a schedule change next week because we've got a special interview we will um we will keep you apprised of that and we'll tell you more about that at the end of the show but um we've got a special interview supposedly Uh, or or scheduled, I guess, at at this point in time. So we'll let you know about that. But um, in case you're new here, you can join us live every Wednesday night, Fridays, uh, every other Friday, maybe sometimes a little bit more frequent than that. We do listener questions live. We have a fantasy football show. And of course, we do happen in headlines, a game show, all kinds of different things here on the Orange and Black Insider. So join us live if you can. If you cannot, you got to subscribe to our YouTube channel. That icon is below John and that Cincy Jungle icon down there at the bottom corner of your video screen. Click that. And of course, the bell to be notified for when we go live and when new content is posted on our YouTube channel. And of course, if you are an audiophile, you can subscribe to the Cincy Jungle podcast channel where you get this show or just the new Black and Coach Speak slash Chalk Talk from Coach Matt Minnick. Subscribe there and leave us a review if you can. That would be great. Before we get to our stat of the week, John, you know you know what time it is right now, right? I mean, Blackthorn said it in the in the live chat. Do you know what time it is?
2: Well, oh had to say it before you got back to GTA, but it is symbol time, man. <laughs> GTA <laughs> takes takes precedence for sure. It
1: is symbol time. S-I-M-B-U-L-L dot com backslash OBI is the website. Symbol is where you can go play uh kind of a, a sports-based stock market type of type of platform with them. And they've got a great incentive for our listeners to go sign up and have some fun, make some money there. But it is where you can buy teams like their stocks, whether it's the Cincinnati Bengals, whether it's another football team, whether it is another sport, symbols got you covered, short-term investment, long-term payout, whatever your strategy is, they've got you covered. And John, they have quite the incentive for our listeners.
2: Absolutely, man. There are many ways to enjoy, to make money, to profit off of Symbol. But there's one strategy that everyone who listens to the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast needs to use. And that is go when you go to Symbol.com or Symbol.app backslash OBI and use the promo code OBI when you sign up for your first deposit, you get, and I'm not kidding you, Symbol gives you $500 of that initial first deposit, up to $500 of your initial first deposit completely risk-free for the first 90 days. That means you can put up to $500 into the symbol market for any NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, college football, Power 5 team. You can invest. You can do everything you want with them. You can try to buy low. You can you can try to sell high. You can try to invest in long-term gains for some of these teams that are on the rise. And if in the first 90 days, for whatever reason, you are not satisfied. You're not having fun. You're losing money fast. Symbol's just not for you. You get to take that money out and get up to $500 back risk-free guarantee it's really that easy symbols a lot of fun it's really easy to use i'm just looking at the, at the top movers right now on the the homepage of symbol.com a lot of people clown the the bearcats for not for having indiana as one of their power five teams that they played well sim indiana fb that that stock it's the highest moving stock right now it's up 19 hmm. and a half percent on the top moving market for college football so that's kind of how this works right you got you have you, you, you got uh, team stocks, you're buying low, you're selling high, you're trying to make money up to $500 for the first deposit. I've never read a script for this thing. That's why these things kind of sound off the wall like this. But I'm so excited to talk about Symbol. You get in on this action up to $500 risk-free. First 90 days, Symbol.at, backless OBI. John
1: Sheeran is excited, ladies and gentlemen. And by the way, yeah, you, you kind of threw out some hot words there, kind of akin to the, the Bitcoin crypto world uh it, it seems like so if you're into that kind of stuff if you're into the stock market if you play fantasy football if you do any of that kind of stuff you gotta check out symbol backslash obi we did get a super chat from josh banks thank you we will get to that in a little bit because i feel like that fits into our next segment a bit uh so if you are on our youtube channel and you you maybe got a question or two we usually save listener questions for that specific episode but we've got a cool little mini game we're going to play in just a second here as we kick off coverage with the 49ers game so josh thank you for the super chat we will be sure to get to that in just a second because i do think that is a a very interesting question you asked however john as we usually like to do um we have a stat of the week to give you and it's not the prettiest one but we'll share it with the folks nevertheless Well, much has been made with Joe Burrow, and obviously he has been a the major reason or a major reason why the Cincinnati Bengals have been quite successful this year. He has been among the, the top AFC passers in, in rating and yardage and you know really got off to a really fast start. But as the games have wore on, John, um, Joe Burrow has been a little bit of a turnover machine And it's been a little concerning and I think people just kind of say, yeah, you know, especially when they're winning more games and losing and they've had the big wins and he's, you know, when he, some of these games he's had turnovers in. he's, you know, had, you know, three touchdowns and one interception, two touchdowns, one interception or, or a touchdown. and, And maybe it's a fumble, but not in the interception column, that sort of thing. But it's starting to become a bit of a concern. He has, as most people know, he has 14 interceptions this year and we'll talk about that in a second but here is where my concern stems john uh bengal's have played 12 games of those 12 games 12 games joe burrow has had zero turnovers only twice and those two turnoverless games were against minnesota in week 1 and jacksonville in week 2 and if i if i am wrong for some reason and someone wants to check my work Go for it. But that is what I found. Jacksonville and Minnesota were the lone 2 turnoverless games by Joe Burrow. That means that since the end of September, since that point against Jacksonville, that is the last time uh, Joe Burrow has had a game wherein he has not committed a turnover, interception, fumble, et cetera. Now, a couple of weeks ago when we were talking the Bengals coming out of the bye, one of the things I said that Burrow was doing was not committing those big time sack fumble type of type of plays. And I credited the offensive line credited Joe Burrow with maybe a little bit more pocket awareness in that regard, securing the ball. Now that's been a little bit of an issue coming out of the bye, even though the Bengals are two and one, he's got two of those uh, so far, uh, one against the Raiders and one last week uh, that the one that obviously injured his his pinky. So again, two, just two turnover list games this year in 12 tries so far Minnesota and Jacksonville. So that means at the end of September, that is the last time Joe Burrow has had a game wherein he did not commit a turnover. Also, of the 14 interceptions, by my count, three of them have come in the opponent's red zone. So the Bengals have been driving to score, and Burrow has thrown an interception either just in front of or in the end zone, which obviously is killer. Now, I'm not saying this to skewer Joe Joe Burrow and, and say, you know, he's not a good player, he's not a good passer, yeah, he's hater. like that. I know, big hater, big number nine hater. I, I'm saying this because, you know, we, we talked about how you know he's shown growth in a lot of different ways, but also there's a little bit of this side that shows regression, continued development, all of that. What do you make of these stats? And do you see these stats ballooning up in the negative way because of that finger injury we just talked about
2: i think interceptions the longer like football is a thing i think they become less and less telling or indicative of actual quarterback play primarily because it, it's not like the the old school thinking is like you know it's it's what bill belichick has, already, has always said like take care of the ball Run the ball, stop the run, right? That, that, that's the keys. I mean, that's how they won in Buffalo. Um, but that's like the old school ways to win. And taking care of the ball is important, but you can be reckless with the ball so long as you always continuously and, con- and consistently counter out some of those mistakes with providing explosive plays and to make sure that for every like turnover that you have, you have a score to counter out that so it doesn't end up coming back to bite you. And I think for the most part, Joe Burrow and the Bengals offense have been able to do that. In the specific instances where they haven't, you have the the Bears game where he forced a few. You have the Browns game, two inexcusable interceptions on his part. And honestly, in this game, um, unfortunately, you, you know you had the crazy interception to Chase, and you had him trying to trying to press towards the end of the game and throwing probably his worst pass of the game against the Chargers. And that has all led to losses, right? Because you didn't have the plays to counter out those interceptions. And also, I think this is where sites like Pro Pro Football Focus come into play. They provide context for actual good throws and actual bad throws. And it's interesting. You look at Joe Burrow's TD to interception ratio, 23 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. He has the same exact big-time throw to turnover-worthy throw ratio 23 to 14. So it's not like the 14 interceptions have been bad luck. Not all of them have, have been his fault, obviously. Right. But even on throws that haven't been interceptions, he's still put the ball into harm's way. It's just that for the most part, for, I don't know what you want to say, like 10 or 11 out of 13 of these games, he's done more good than bad, which is why it hasn't really hurt them. It's just that when he doesn't have those plays, or he doesn't have those days where he's consistently generating explosive plays down the field, that's when it comes back to bite him. But you look at the other interception leaders around the league, Justin Herbert's one, Lamar Jackson's one, Patrick Mahomes is one. Like all three of those guys, you can count on them to provide you surplus value despite the interceptions. And if he's in that company, you can live with it. But it's 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 a dangerous game to the conservative minds of of this game. You have to have those positives to counteract the negatives.
1: I can think and I'm I didn't do the research on this one because there's probably more. But off the top of my head, I can also think of three specific plays to Jamar Chase that have. hugely impacted not only games but hugely impacted his stat line you go back to the jets game jamar chase drops a a touchdown in the end zone opening drive Bengals get no points the whole you know the whole the whole deal there right you go to the detroit lions game before that chase ball off his hands uh gets gets tipped and intercepted right and then of course this week the the bobble that would have been a an easy walk-in touchdown it would seem based on what i saw on tape and then of course you know it goes the other way, and you know that completely flips Joe Burrow's stat line there. So, I mean, they're they're not all on him, but there are times where he has forced poor throws. He has uh, sometimes it's also on the offensive line; he gets hit um, and and force or and or doesn't you know doesn't have the the most time and misses throws. I mean, there there are a multitude of factors, and it's not just Joe Burrow, but um, you know it, it is something worth worth pointing at especially with quality team after quality team remaining on the schedule.
2: And, and I wanted to uh, just touch on this real quick because, you know, we kind of talked about it a, l- a little bit earlier, but I think there's, there's a reason why we should have been hyping up Jamar Chase for as much as we did after those first seven games, because in an instant, things could go sideways. Things could go bad. Things could regress back to probably where they're supposed to be. At this point, now Jamar Chase is still under a thousand yards, but he's only played like 12, 13 games. You're thinking that's still a great pace, but it's nowhere near what the pace was that he was on th- through the first seven weeks. And you have to think everything kind of went right in those first seven games for Jamar Chase, who had a, an unfortunate preseason and an unfortunate end to the offseason when everything was going against him. And then everything was going right. And now things are everything that could be going wrong for him is going wrong for him now. It's not just like these drops and interceptions are happening. They're happening at critical moments, and they're losing a lot of points in the process. So it's good that we celebrated and we commended Jamar for that early success because the exact opposite is happening now, and you you can't take those weeks and those stretches for granted.
1: Well, uh, you know, again, if the Bengals are going to, you know, make a push to get into the playoffs, et cetera, um, you know, they – these plays that have been going against them and and whether you want to credit or discredit growth development whatever they need to start changing in order for the Bengals to um get on the get in the win column and get into the uh, playoffs because they you know they can't keep having these unforced errors unfortunately if they're going to beat some of these better teams coming up here so that was our stat of the week just stats i guess uh as it concerned uh concerns joe burrow So hopefully you kind of found that a little interesting, maybe concerning. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not just something to digest. The Bengals are going to host the 49ers in uh, on Sunday at Paul Brown stadium before they do, John, there are a couple of kind of pressing headlines that we want to quickly talk about as a kind of a, a lead off into the, the game against the San Francisco 49ers here. So, i I guess the big news now is that trey waynes is, is is has been reactivated off of ir and they've got kind of this in limbo window where he can kind of work out and if he shows that he's good to go they can put him on the active roster doesn't count against the roster currently where he's at same with deontay smith similar thing happened with him so let's start with and maybe we can go back and forth or what have you on these but um what, what do you think about Waynes? I mean, when 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 are we seeing him? Uh kind of to piggyback off that, I think our buddy Orangero said something to the effect of, you know, does is he also, if and when he does go in, does he just immediately play replace Apple and Apple moves down the pecking order, or do they ease him in and Apple's still the starter? What what quickly, what do you what do you think? Well, <laughs> that's the t- I say quickly, I mean, and there's like four questions there, but
2: <laughs> I mean that's that that's the debate, right? That's the that's the that's the that's the problem that you're dealing with how do you take apple off the field just to put trey wayne's in there because he's making a lot of money well they may they may have to do both they may have to keep apple on the field and then play trey wayne's because chidobe wuzie may not be able to play he's dealing with a foot injury right now he did not practice wednesday i know we're going to get to the injury report in a second but if wayne's practicing right now and they feel like he's good enough to play this weekend he may have to play because their best cornerback may not be able to
1: i would i would assume my my take on it is i would assume they actually as as Popular or unpopular as it may be, they would ease Wayne's in. If we're talking, you know, a game or two games or something like that, that he had missed, I think he would just hop right back in there. But I think just the amount of time and and not just, not just, you know, he, it's not like he played the first five or six games or whatever and then went out. Like he played two games and then went out, Mm -hmm. went out uh, and didn't start the season injured. You know, so I, I think right now Apple would still be your starter. I don't know what that role would look like for Waynes, but I think down the stretch here, that is a guy that that would they would supplant Apple with to start. But I do agree that obviously if Awuzie isn't isn't playing this week, and Waynes is a guy that looks like he's healthy, he would be ready to go. Um, You you got one for me? You got you, you want to go next, or you want me to just keep peppering you, dude?
2: Nah, man, I, I'll I'll get you on on the rebound here. So on All the opposite right. side of the ball, you have another guy who's returning to practice this week. He's still technically on IR, but he's 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 obviously healthy enough to be practicing right now. Deontay Smith. Uh, the thing with him is that you know he almost tore his meniscus, I guess, back in October. He's yeah. able to play now, and there was a lot of hype with him in the preseason and potentially getting a chance to play for Jackson Carmen back in like week six. And then he ended up not being able to play and unhealthy, and ever since then it has been Hakeem energy's job, and he's now had, I think, three or four starts under his belt. His probably worst one was the one we just watched against the Chargers, which was kind of surprising, considering that the Chargers don't really have that many good defensive tackles. But even after this so-so, not very good performance from identity if Deontay Smith is able to play in this game, do we see that, you know, energy get pulled, or do we think that he's earned enough benefit of the, of the doubt to keep that starting job at, at least for one week longer?
1: I think it would be one week longer. I think that Deontay, but but I, I say that meaning, I believe wholeheartedly that this staff will not hesitate if there are struggles at all to get Deontay Smith in there and give him looks, give him reps, maybe even start a game. I think they've shown that. Uh, what was it Would it be their third starting guard, fourth starting guard at that point? If they at right guard, if they if they bring in Smith, so I mean they have shown. A, a pen, and not because of injury, necessarily. It's been because of ineffectiveness, et cetera. So, I mean, they, they've they shown a penchant to be able to be like, we're, we're going to find a guy that works here. Um, and now, Adenogy looked pretty good, uh, you know, since he started after the bye, um, you know, kind of a little bit up and down this, this last week. But, um, you know, uh, still, uh, he hasn't necessarily taken himself out of the lineup, per se, but I think they really like Deontay Smith. I really think they like what they saw him in him at guard in preseason, and I think that you know, if unless there's a major hiccup, that he's a guy that um, you know he, he'll he'll get a shot. I think.
2: Yeah, I, I just don't think it's going to come this week, and it may not even come at nope. all this season, to be honest with you. And I, I think on, I I don't think it's smart to always be pulling your lineman when they have a bad game. You, you want to have yeah. some sense of stability and consistency. And they were getting yep. that leading up to this week. It's just that they had their center and right tackle get hurt. Mm-hmm. So I, I think identity energy is just doing enough right now to honestly just start for the remainder of the season. Like the positives are severely outweighing the negatives right now.
1: I agree with you. Um, you think the Bengals sign a free agent linebacker with Logan Wilson's injury, kind of some conflicting reports, not an IR injury, but seemingly a guy that uh, is now, Um, you know, going to miss at least this week, probably a couple games in total. A couple of interesting names have recently hit the free agent market. Jalen Smith, who people either love or loathe based on what what he has shown on tape. And then of course, Zach Cunningham interesting guy was uh, released by the Houston Texans today. Um, You know, I don't know if any of those guys fit the bill of what Logan Wilson will do, but I mean, do you see the Bengals making a move because now you've got ADG on IR you got Logan Wilson that's probably going to be out for a short period of time. Marcus Bailey got dinged up last week. Jermaine Pratt's playing very very well, but a lot of injuries in linebacker.
2: Yeah, and quick shout out to our buddy Zim, our partner, our friend, uh who was really early on Wilson's injury being more severe than it was being let on and sure enough, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler reported that it's probably going to be take him out for several weeks. So, it's not an IR injury just yet, but it kind of feels like it's leaning in that way and if they're going to activate one of Trey Wayne's or Deontay Smith onto the roster. It kind of feels like Logan Wilson is going to be that guy out, but I don't think they signed a free agent linebacker at this point. They have two guys on the practice squad, Keandre Jones and Austin Calitro, who they traded for last season. They didn't really find a spot for him for the entire season, but they have him back now on the practice squad. If they need a fifth guy for this game, I think they elevate one of those guys instead. Uh,
1: quickly, just because I saw this one, um, Is T Higgins wide receiver one that goes with one of the questions we had kind of queued up, Uh, you know, Chase having still some consistency issues, I, I, I wouldn't call them struggles, just some consistency issues and Higgins emerging here these last couple of weeks. Do you see that trend continuing or do you see more breakout games for Chase coming down the pike here?
0: Well,
2: I I want your answer on this one, too, because I don't think it's very simple. Like, is he wide receiver one in fantasy lineups or is he wide receiver one in in the defense's mind? I, I think he's the same in the Bengals eyes as he was in the beginning of the season. I don't think they really have a true wide receiver one. Obviously, Burrow has this innate trust with Chase and he's more talented in terms of just tracking deep balls and has that next gear of speed that Higgins doesn't necessarily have. like That hasn't changed. It's just that when defenses are now keying in on Chase a little bit more and using more cloud coverage in in his words um, when asked about the slump that he's in, that's given T. Higgins a lot of opportunities. Now he's like 5th in yards per route run and since like week eight which is ever since the uh, defenses have started to be more attentive towards chase i think he, his role is the same it's just that he's getting more opportunities to be productive and the pendulum comes in the pendulum could swing at any moment there could be a game even where both these guys get over 100 yards it just has to hit
1: so i you know i i i'm of the feeling that Right now is the operative phrase in that question because I think right now you got to go with a guy who's a little more consistent. And and earlier in the season, T. Higgins was not consistent, and Jamar Chase was as a threat and a dynamic player, and that's what was getting the Bengals wins. Right now, T. Higgins is is more consistent, so I would say right now maybe you trust him a little bit more in some of these situations because of what he has shown the past couple of weeks. And and Chase has had a couple of struggles, but um you know again it, it depends on the game plan what the defense gives you etc john with your permission i i only let you ask one i'm sorry but i i think <laughs> uh uh we'll get to this one because we're running out of time a little bit here uh j3 jigs 13 lv um this is, uh, actually, we we're going to get to that one in a little bit. Uh, I meant to get to this one here, Josh Banks. Uh, so we'll get to that one in just a second. Should Jesse, meaning Bates, uh, have taken the Bengals offer? Because he has not been that good. Probably have an average contract after this year. Uh, I, I Obviously, we saw Jesse Bates, um, you know, get, get kind of, Beaten on a it was to Guyton that that kind of jump ball situation there where he was he was there. I mean, he had a little bit of ground to cover, but he was there and uh, just kind of got out out wrestled for the ball a little bit there, which was concerning.
2: Oh, man, I'm going to die on this hill, I guess. Jesse Bates had no idea that ball was coming to him because who who expects that ball? Who expects that throw to be made like Mm -hmm. 60 air yards from the opposite side of the field? (laughs) Like there there are a handful of plays where it was clearly on Jesse, but I don't really blame him for that one at all. And I don't think that he's going to see less money on the open market compared to if he was having a great season. At the end of the day, he's 24 years old. His upside is still immense. We've seen great play out of him. Even this year, where it hasn't been as consistent as last year, I think fans really overrate recent performance as to, like, okay, there's a difference between him not playing that well or him still being, or him just all of a sudden not being as talented as he was when he got that initial contract offer. I think he was smart to not take that offer because he knows he knows obviously more about the offer than we do. Cause we have no idea what, what was offered, but if he feels like they were low balling him compared to what other safeties were making and he, and he, and if he could have the opportunity to hit the open market, he's going to get whatever teams offer him. Like the market hasn't really changed for guy in, in his position. Even if he's not playing that consistently, I think he's still going to get everything that he wants. If he is allowed to hit the open market, which I don't think is going to happen.
1: Yeah. And we also know in, um, you know, free free agency frenzy. Guy guys get even even average guys get over. Never
2: underestimated. Never yeah. underestimated.
1: Yeah. They get they get paid a bunch of money and you go, That guy got that. So, I mean, he may have lost a little bit of leverage in contract negotiations based on his play so far this year, but uh, you know, I, I think he would still get paid pretty heavily had he not um if he does not sign with the Cincinnati Bengals. And I still think probably the franchise tag is, is in play there for, for, you know, maybe something works out where Jesse's a little bit more open with, with things based on the performance this year, but I don't see that happening. I th- I think probably the franchise tag is the most likely Um, we're going to get to Jigsaw's super chat question in just a second, but let's talk about the 49ers and how the Bengals match up with them. John, you mentioned the injury report, and I think what we... I called it lightning round, but we we didn't really make it lightning round. But that's okay. That's okay. Uh, On Cincy Jungle here, we have the injury report. You posted this, actually, on Wednesday. A lot of did not practices and a couple more names and or injuries that were a little surprising and concerning.
2: Yeah, so most of these were from the previous game. Jadobi Wuzier hurt his foot on that interception return that ultimately did not count. Obviously Burroughs finger. And I guess they listed him with his knee, I guess just in terms of rest, Chris Evans is still working back with an ankle injury. He missed last game. He, I guess injured it against the Steelers. T Higgins played through his ankle injury when he was horse collar tackled. And he Mm -hmm. still, I think he had like five targets after that happened and he caught one of them, but they gave him rest uh, to not over aggravate it. Uh, DJ reader got a rest day. Logan Wilson, He's not going to play for a while with his shoulder. And then you have Tyler Shelvin and Joe Mixon dealing with illnesses. Now, I, I may be wrong on this, but I think Jay Morrison of The Athletics said that uh, Shelvin's uh, illness is confirmed to not be COVID-related. They couldn't necessarily confirm that with Mixon, so that is something to monitor because, unfortunately, this is this is the second week in a row where a an opposing player that the Bengals faced uh, tested positive for COVID. Now it's up to three chargers who uh, who I think are on the covid reserve list so that's something to monitor
1: yeah i believe the the initial one the big one was keenan allen right um didn't he didn't he have it uh so
2: yeah not
1: Matt- good news there and then you got the limited and of course look at the linebackers already a thin group there and then we've got the 49ers who they've got a lot that did not practice although the younger bosa brother um was a non-injury just kind of a rest day there but a lot of different things going on there in terms of did not participate
2: oh man Did, did you see like the beginning of the niners seahawks game
1: uh, I, I heard, well, uh, sort of, I had it on and then I was kind of like, Oh, I'd like I would, I was kind of doing some different work and different things. And I was, you know, when I heard the announcers kind of exclaim, uh, I would kind of look up, I, I, guess there was a wild special teams play a fake punt or something to start the game or something it, like that. It was
2: the, it was the opening kickoff and the running back Trent cannon, like it looked like he almost got decapitated, like on, oh, on, yeah, the, yeah, on yeah. the opening kickoff yeah. on special teams. They, yeah. they brought out an ambulance on the field. Yeah. he was hospitalized. He sits been discharged, so I think all signs are pointing to positive. But he, they they list him in the concussion protocol. I think he's a little bit more than a concussion, unfortunately, though. But some other injuries here: Elijah Mitchell also suffered a concussion against the Seahawks. He did not practice. Debo Samuel has been dealing with a groin injury. He missed, I think, like the last maybe two weeks, or maybe he was he got he injured it uh, last week, but he did not practice too. Emmanuel uh, Mosley, a cornerback, he's out for several weeks, per a report. Maurice Hurst, a lot of people's favorite defensive tackle from 2018 draft class. He did not practice with the calf, and another linebacker, Dre, Dre Greenlaw, did not practice with the groin. Uh, unfortunately for the Bengals, though, star linebacker Fred Warner did return to practice. I think he was dealing with a hamstring injury that made him miss the Seahawks game, but he was a full participant, and he is a great uh, defender that the Bengals have to keep an eye on for.
1: Yeah, he's a really good player. Really good player. So, uh, we're, we're kind of running up against it a little bit here in terms of length, but I think the narrative in this one, especially based on what we saw in 2019 when these two teams faced off, you know the the style of of run oriented offense and take care of the football type of type of situation on offense with Jimmy G and all of that, that may not play into the Bengals' wheelhouse, particularly with Logan Wilson out and uh, you know the Bengals dealing with some other injuries. I don't know is this is this just a matchup nightmare akin to how the Bengals have? played the Browns and what they like to do against the Bengals in recent years?
2: I mean, you, you can look back to that 2019 game and obviously the Bengals defense has evolved right. and has gotten better with personnel since then. And you would think that that would, that would help them in this case. But then we saw a month ago against the jets, former 49ers offense coordinator, Mike Lefleur is now yeah. coordinated the jets offense. Very similar stuff, not as supreme of athletic ability and talent that, that they have, but they beat them in very similar ways that Luna, Rumo's defense got shredded up against mm-hmm. Lafleur's offense back in 2019. And I, I say Lafleur's offense. It's Kyle Shanahan's offense, but Lafleur was helped uh, coordinating the passing game. It's very similar stuff, very similar schemes and concepts that offense for the 49ers hasn't changed. And they were very, they were struggling mightily in the first seven or so weeks, enough to the point where you're thinking, when is Trey Lance going to come in? Since week eight, there is only one quarterback who's first in EPA per play in PFF grade, and it's Jimmy freaking Garoppolo. Now, he's not playing out of his mind, not making these crazy throws down the field, but he's playing like the, the standard prototypical point guard quarterback that Kyle Shanahan wanted. It's the reason why... He was apparently so infatuated with Mac Jones because he felt like he had the the integral abilities to command this offense. And that's exactly what Jimmy G is doing right now because they just have really good athletes. Even without Debo Samuel on the field, they've gotten production out of Brandon Ayuk now, who's a, a yeah. great explosive athlete. They just shred you horizontally. And we haven't even mentioned George Kittle. Like they're, The Bengals are going to play this game without their best coverage linebacker, a guy who primarily covers tight ends in these situations and they have George Kittle who had a great game last week so the 49ers I I think on the surface with Jimmy G they don't necessarily scare you but then you have to then you start to realize that in recent weeks they've been really really efficient and even with some injuries they've been still producing
1: the other issue kind of kind of to that point um they're starting to play a little bit I mean last last week an exception um but They started off two and zero, and then the Niners lost. uh, Gosh, four straight. So then they went two and four. Then they, you know, they went. You know, they won a couple. They won a big one against the Rams. So I mean, they're they're starting to play a little bit better. Uh, Last few games here, aside from the Seahawks, you had they had a nice three game win streak here, thirty one to ten over the Rams. 30 to 10 over Jacksonville and 34-26 over the Vikings. And then they lost the Heartbreaker in Seattle 30 to 23. So three and one over the last couple of contests there. So they're playing a little bit better football. And um, you know, but it, it's another West Coast team traveling to uh, t- traveling east. The schedule makers did did the Niners a little bit of a favor by bumping up the time of this game and making it a little later there. Forum in terms of adjusting to to the time and all of that but you know aside from just kind of you know like you said the the x's and o's and and personnel matchup situations it's also just the team in general is just playing better football than they were in the middle part of this season getting a little bit healthier although you know they've got some extensive people on the uh, on the injury report but still getting a little bit healthier and playing a little bit better right now
2: I, I don't think Bengals fans are going to buy into the whole West Coast team travels and plays at 1 p.m. because no, no team could have had a harder start than the Chargers at yeah. <laughs> 1 p.m. on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, but that, that that game 2019 was also, I think, it, it was the second to last time they started at 430 at, in Paul Brown Stadium. The 49ers, are, are, they're just playing good. And uh, they've been just as up and down as the Bengals, just as up and down as you know, 27 other NFL teams, <laughs> you, you, you have to respect what they're doing. You, even if like, you know, Jimmy G doesn't seem that intimidating of a quarterback, you know, it, it, not having Elijah Mitchell could could um, impact them in somewhat. They've had a lot of injuries at running back. But then you look at their offensive line, there is no better run blocker. Maybe the history of the entire NFL than Trent Williams is playing right now. I think he's run blocker. is like 99, like legitimately Alex Mack at like 30 something years old. He's still playing well. They, they have this uh, Mike Compton, that right tackle. He's playing well in, in relief for of Mike McGlinchey. They have good guards. They just have a really good scheme. And it's the same scheme that has given Bengals fits over the last couple years. It's honestly, you look at these final five games and that includes a, a game against the Browns and chiefs. This might be like the Bengals worst matchup on paper.
1: Yep. So uh, we're going to get to predictions in a second. I teased this one earlier from J three jigsaw, 13 LV, uh, For an AFC and NFC matchup, very important game. Browns or Steelers are right on us with one game behind the Ravens, meaning that's where the Bengals are placed right now, not only in the overall playoff bracket, but in the AFC North. Bengals, of course, have games against the Ravens. That one's at home, and then they end the season in Cleveland. Uh, So I guess the question is, you know, do you buy into – and obviously all these games are important you talked about this as kind of a playoff row here for the Bengals, but do you buy into is, is this the one that the Bengals can afford to drop because it's a non-conference game or kind of to what i was talking about earlier um is this a deal where hey you, you got to win games and just get in this thing and, and you can't you can't talk about affording to lose games but um i mean i i guess my point is If you look at the grand scheme of things, this would be the game you can afford to drop if you're the Bengals because it's a non-conference game. I wouldn't want them to do that, though.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I I think you can rationally say that at the end of the day, if they can lose any of these games, this is the game to lose. It's just the optics with that are a little sketchy because they just got embarrassed at home last week. You you went into this three-game home stretch thinking, okay, three straight at home, five of the last six are at home. You're going to drop two out of the first three. Like it's It's not great optics, and it's not like the 49ers are a juggernaut by any means that we're just talking about things that they do well, things that the Bengals don't do well. And I think oh, I, if, I, if I've been sounding negative over the past five minutes, it's primarily because right now I think the Bengals defense is so important because you cannot trust their offense on a week-to-week basis to show up and play consistently. And when you're having to deal with that, when you don't have an offense that right now can be counted on to score 25 to 30 points a game, you have to rely on, on that defense to be stable and to keep giving your offense chances to, to remain in the game. And I think the Bengals defense is, is sort of been finding themselves of late, but you're now having a matchup where you're not entirely confident in your defense being stable. So if this comes down to the offense needs 30 points, I don't know if you can consistently count on that right now.
1: What's your prediction, John?
2: <laughs> so we had a comment from 619 Bengals fan Garcia. He said, quote, I don't know, man, it's not looking good for the Bengals right now. Joey B has an injury on his throwing hand. Injuries on defense keep piling up. Niners now are favored by one and a half. Everything that I just said in the past five and six minutes about how not so great of a matchup this is for the Bengals. And that's exactly why I think the Bengals are going to win. Because I've seen this song and dance like three or four times now. They seem to just have an ability, an innate ability, to surprise you when they least expect it. In the games where you think that they can afford to drop or lose, They somehow find ways to make it competitive and find ways to come out on top. You can never count this team out with the composition of leaders and core players that they currently have and with their ability to just turn it on in a moment's notice. And for whatever reason, despite everything that's going against them right now, I think they're in a position where they're going to kind of weaponize it. And it kind of sounds a little bit like the Browns and the the classic Baker Mayfield cycle of, oh, you're you're hyping us up. Oh, we're going to fail. Then you're going to doubt us. And then we're going to bounce back. It kind of feels like they're kind of entering that cycle a little bit where they do their best when things are going against them. Their backs are up against the wall. They're playing the team. They're not expected to win or they match up not so favorably against, which is why I think the Bengals actually pulled this one out. I'm going to say they win like 28 to 20.
1: The 49ers have a middle-of-the-road run defense. Their pass defense, they are tied for sixth in in touchdowns allowed, and they are fourth in terms of total passing yards allowed. So passing the football is not – uh, very easy against the 49ers. I would love to agree with you, John. Usually we are we are in agreement in these predictions. I, I'm not feeling, I didn't have a great feeling about last week, and I do not have a great feeling about this week because of those matchup nightmares that you talked about because the Bengals are missing Logan Wilson in a game that will likely be a run-heavy attack by the 49ers and the play-action issues, the Bengals' defense, even when they have played well. And I look back to the first Brown's game this year, the play action, all of that tends to kill the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, the The Niners will use uh, some motions and different things with. It, it, it also depends on Debo, right? I mean, if Debo is going to play, that's a big factor. Um, but they like to kind of mix things up, and they like to kind of trick you, and then they, you know, they'll they'll pound you with the run game. And um, I I just I don't know about this matchup, and I don't know that the Bengals. If the defense lets up and lets up a lot of yards and points on the ground, um, I don't know that the offense, with their inconsistencies, will be able to to carry it. I'll say 24-20 uh, San Francisco,
2: unfortunately. And I agree with every single thing that you just said, but I refuse. I'm going to be ahead of it this time. You know, I'm not going to be <laughs> caught off guard. I'm going to be ahead of when they shock us and, and turn in a great game when we least expected.
1: I like it. Well, I like your optimism. I wish I, I wish I shared it this week, but uh, the, a loss like last week, will do that to you. Uh, let's drop the mic and get out of here. We went a little long, but we got to a lot of cool stuff tonight. Um, what, what do you got, John?
2: Yeah, just a couple shout-outs to our our friends and our colleagues for the Essential Jungle Podcast Network. Uh, first of all, you guys see my hat, Bro Is that Burrow baby. Check that out. Yeah, check that out. zimhuday.com for all of his merch, a whole lot of orange, and also his co host ace boogie go to newstripecity.com for his three amigos shirt line and also matt minnick i believe he has some some merch as well but more importantly for matt uh his his uh, infant son who was born in the fall uh, a few months ago he just recently had surgery he's doing well though he, i think he tweeted that out a few hours ago so oh, just keep uh, little baby minnick in your in your thoughts and prayers he's doing well now but you know it's first christmas coming up so just think about the, the minnicks and, and their family and their child
1: yeah I, d- I didn't know that yeah definitely we'll be thinking about them and i'll reach out to him i on on the other stuff i i wish i was cool enough and had a graphic design background or something where i could come up with some line of, of I'll, I'll rely on you for the the obi clothing line there john I don't, <laughs> I don't i don't know uh if i if i can do that but yeah i will keep the Minix in our in my thoughts for sure um just a couple of things we will have. Uh, I teased a little earlier. We will have Charlie Goldsmith next week. Um, that might, as of now, that's gonna that's looking like a little earlier on Tuesday evening based on his schedule. Um, we're either going to segment the the interview with him and then maybe go live Wednesday, or maybe we'll just kind of package the whole show together on uh, Tuesday night. Depending on how everything goes, we'll let you know. But as of now, we are scheduled to speak with the Cincinnati Inquirer's Charlie Goldsmith, which is really cool. We have another opportunity. We're not going to tell you quite enough about it. We're working on the logistics of it, but um, pretty cool interview opportunity. We hope we can be able to to bring that to you and we will definitely let you know if and when that comes, but pretty uh, just kind of came our way late today and we're we're working on scheduling something. So we will let you know on that. And John, uh, one other thing before we get out of here, I'm going to play a quick clip. I put this on Twitter account. This is, um, I I just want to congratulate Sam Hubbard on being the Bengals nominee for Walter Payton man of the year. That is a very important nomination for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, it obviously exemplifies character and community work and all kinds of different things. Sam Hubbard, um, has had an outstanding year in a lot of regards. He got a big contract extension, which was deserved. He's had arguably his best pro season with the Cincinnati Bengals this year as a response to that. He's done a lot of community work, and he's been incredibly generous to our show. I think we've spoken with him three times, John. A really cool guy, really down-to-earth, and loves Ohio, loves the greater Cincinnati area. I'm going to play just a quick clip from one of our past interviews with him, just kind of talking about one of the many charitable endeavors and things that he has done that has allowed him to become the Bengals 2021 Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee.
0: Good thing to talk about right now would be, you know, how I'm partnering with Pepsi and uh, the work that we did together to, uh, you know, support the Free Store Food Bank of Cincinnati. Um, With COVID, uh, I actually was sitting on my couch like the first week of shutdown and saw that on the news they were down to like two or three weeks left of uh, supplies. And, uh, you know, I was kind of going crazy thinking of, something i could do because we're just all stuck in our house and uh you know that campaign i was able to launch on launch on gofundme um was so excited to see all the people in the city and teammates that jumped on board with me as well as pepsi who's uh gave a donation and also given another donation to them later this year um just stuff like that uh, i'm trying to you know, do, do good with the platform I've been given as a pro football player, but also as a, you know, hometown kid playing for his hometown team.
1: So cool stuff, John, you know, a great guy down to earth, like I mentioned. And, you know, I saw a tweet from Ken Anderson's, you know, congratulating Sam saying, you know, that's, that was always kind of the the ultimate award for him and, and Ken won it uh, in his career as well. So um, I don't know, cool stuff. And I know, Obviously, based on where you've been born, raised, where you currently reside, the, the whole local kid playing for the local team, that that resonates pretty pretty highly with you too.
2: Absolutely, man. Like it's it's nice to kind of follow his story and to see how it's unfolded and you know the fact that he you know cares about the community this much and continues t- to put himself out there and, and and try to impact it in a positive way. Absolutely. So, you know, the Bengals are doing pretty good in terms of voting right now. They have a lot of pro bowl support, yeah. but Definitely vote um, and, and retweet uh, anything you see in terms of Sam Hubbard with Walter Payton Man of the Year award because he definitely deserves it.
1: Yeah, definitely. Well, that's going to do it for our show. John, have a good week, bud. Uh, thanks for everything. We went a little long as usual, but these these episodes just, I don't know. They're a lot of fun, man. I I, I have fun working with you and, and chatting bangle stuff. You make me sound a lot smarter than I am, so I appreciate it, dude. Have a good, have a good week, and uh, I hope you are right with your prediction, and I am wrong
2: you week. know dude uh, you're the california dude like i'm sure you had to deal with some stuff from, 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 from some chargers fans we're gonna get you one win against a california team <laughs>
1: man the noise from the chargers fans all of a sudden this week has been <laughs> oh my gosh it's been a little crazy I, I i don't know if you've caught any of that flack but holy uh, it,
2: it's it's a high horse man i think most fans have been on it this is just their turn Yeah,
1: I guess. I don't know. Well, we'll see what happens. We'll be back to definitely break it down all for you on the post game show. We'll bring you more stuff this week as well. John, thank you. Thank you, everybody who tuned in live. Thanks to those of you listening after the fact. And keep it to CincyJungle.com for all your news, opinions, analysis, updates, all kinds of stuff. We got you covered there. Check out the podcast channel on your favorite audio streamer. Subscribe to our Orange and Black Insider YouTube channel. And we'll be back with more stuff for you. Take it easy.